так, прежде чем мы вновь начнем исследовать наше наследие неизменным эпиграфом к исследованию Евангелии глава 24 The epigraph of our study contained in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we as members of the body of Christ partake with Christ and all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and what we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside our former way of life so that we can receive the right to be clothed into a new way of life that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the calling of every holy person who has arrived into the family of God. The seducer is evangelism, good deeds, and so forth. They're not just uh, fleshly lusts, but they're the flesh. They're lusts when a person thinks that he's going to enter into heaven only because he did something good, only because he evangelized, only because he did something, not understanding that in order to do this, it's necessary for God to send you. And in order to do this, one must be a light. And when this person is not a light for his household, oftentimes, very interestingly, is that these people are not um, a light in their house. Their children are not saved. They are in sin. And they are walking around evangelizing. But they are also alcoholics, adulterers, but they hide all of this with this pseudo-godliness. However, as we know, for the fulfillment of the commandment to set aside the former way of life, to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind, and to be clothed into the new man, we have three fateful verbs that are involved. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And we've noted that answering these faithful questions will determine whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it, because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life? Although at one point they may have been written in there. Those people who accept salvation not in the format of a deposit, they don't accept it. They are lying to themselves. They will lose it. Because salvation is given in a seed. All that we receive, we receive in a seed. And in order for it to become ours, in order for it to be our property, that which is placed in this program in the seed 
We must grow it into fruit, and in order to grow it and to accept it, we must have a good conscience that is uh, cleansed from dead works, that is cleansed from these corrupt lusts. And so in a certain format, we have already studied the first two questions, and have stopped to study the third question. What conditions must we fulfill so that through our already renewed thinking, we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man, who was created by God in Christ Jesus, in true righteousness and holiness of truth. This process is quite, quite long. As it is written, and the crucifixion, or, and the war between the house of Saul and the house of David was long. It was long until finally David had triumphed and had reigned over all of Israel. And we know that Saul is our mind that relates to our soul, and David is the rational capabilities of our spirit that the capabilities that dwell in him and the dignity of the mind of Christ. So our spirit, if of course it is cleansed from dead works, and if the truth of the teaching of Christ is placed into it, then the Holy Spirit will enter this kind of heart in order to reveal this truth. With regard to this, we've already studied, um, we were already studied certain components that with the name of God El Elyon or Most High we can destroy the power of death in our body in the face of reigning sin yielding the essence of our old man with his works so that with a noise we can take off the old man and cast him into hell and then replace the power of death in our body with the kingdom of heaven in the dignity of the power of eternal life and all of this we must do first by faith, by considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent as existent. And so we've stopped to study the next condition that is contained in the 18th Psalm of David, in which the Holy Spirit, with wisdom and authority only inherent to him, unveils the requirements on the basis of which our prayer of faith must cooperate with the name of God, Elion, or the name of God, Most High. And this condition is comprised so that in our distress, upon taking off the old man with his works, we could call out to the Most Highs, to our God, and proclaim the faith of our heart in who God is for us and who we are for God and what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. We've noted that this parable is one of the strongest images that portrays the collaboration of our renewed thinking in the image of King David with the name of God Most High in resistance against our carnal mind in the image of King Saul and reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. And through the proclamation of who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are for God in Christ Jesus, so that God could receive the foundation to step into battle over our earthly bodies and destroy sin in our body in the face of the old man with the power of his redemption and with the noise forever cast him into hell. And all of this so that we can be carriers of a heavenly body. According to its character, the prayer song of David, so this prayer song of David contains three parts in which the standard of the character of a just prayer 
is presented for warriors of prayer. The first part is a message about the state of David's heart as a warrior of prayer when it defines the just status of his prayer. Because the way the heart is a warrior of prayer, thus his prayer will be. The second part is the message about the components of a just prayer, which provides a basis for God to deliver David from the hand, hands of his enemies and the hands of Saul. And the third part is a message that illustrates the prayer battle itself that is beyond understanding to the mind of man, because it is written in an epic genre. In a certain format, we've already studied the first part and have stopped to study the second part, which unveils the components of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High. In fact, there are 50 names, 50 times they are met with the names of God, but David in this case uses eight names. Why? Because all of these eight names are found in unique balance. They are both, they're all found in one another, they are dissolved in one another, and they are all found in the 50 total names. And if we know at least these eight names that yield the essence of a covenant with God, eight equals covenant with God, then it'll be enough. And when we are met with other names of God, we are going to find these eight names in them. Acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love God and offer him praise so that he could be saved from his enemies. And for God, acknowledgement of the truth of his names in the heart of David gave him the basis to enable his capabilities that are contained in his eight names in battle against the enemies of David. And so, here is that verse. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And so, the eight names of God that contain the portion of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. In a certain format, as far as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied our portion or our lot in the powers of the names of God, strength, rock, and fortress. And therefore, we will turn to studying our portion in Jesus Christ in the name of God, Deliverer. And let us remember that this prayer in which David declares his portion in the eight names of God Most High is a strategic teaching that is meant to be the calling for kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly bodies. And if a person is not anointed to rule over his calling and the dignity of his earthly body as a king, priest, and prophet, then this prayer will not bring him any benefit. He will not hear this prayer, he will not understand it, and he is going to accept it as or see it as some kind of delusion. He's going to go against it. 
and against this person. And so the property of the name of God, Deliverer, just as the previous names of God, has no relation to the meanings contained in the dictionaries of the world that exist. And so in Hebrew, the name Deliverer means Leader of the Covenant, the, redeem, the Redeemer from the Captivity of Sin and Death, the Savior of the Body, Protector from the Wrath of God, Restorer of Inheritance Rights, placing us as his hallow in safety and preserving our deposit until the appearance of Christ. So in this prayer song of David, in the name of God, Deliverer, is contained the inherited portion of the Son of God, in whom and through whom a person, cooperating with the powers contained in the name of God, Deliverer, receives the ability to place the silver of his salvation into circulation, so that he can receive income known as the salvation of his soul and the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ. Consider this union between God and man. It becomes important to define God's role as well as our own role in the sphere of our origin or the sphere of our genesis. And for this purpose, in studying our portion in the previous names of God, which are called to be the portion of our inheritance, we arrived at the need to study the following questions. What characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God? Deliver. What purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited portion in the name of God deliverer intended to fulfill? What price is necessary to pay to give God the opportunity to be our deliverer? And by what results can we define that God is truly our deliverer in the realization of our calling? First, without clear and concise answers to these questions, which we can receive through instruction and faith, in the order that the body of Christ functions, we will not have the opportunity to place the silver of our salvation into circulation. And secondly, without our obedience to the preached word of the person who carries the powers of the fatherhood of God and his helpers, we will not have the opportunity to receive a reward in the fruit of righteousness from the seed of the deposit that we have placed into circulation. As written, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, through those who have the powers or carry the power, powers of the delegated authority of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And so the first question, what characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God, Deliverer? First, portion in the name of God, Deliverer, for the chosen remnants of God, discovers itself in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, as Father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, this was the father of John the Baptist, um, and was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 75. This is one of the many places of Scripture representing God as the deliverer of his people from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us through the selective love 
through his selective love with his cho chosen remnant. And the legitimacy of our deliverance from all enemies discovers itself in the following components. First, in partaking to God's chosen remnants, in accepting the angel preparing the way for the deliverer, and third, in partaking to the lineage of David's house. From this prophecy flow these three things, and it should be noted that the portion of our inheritance contained in the name of God Deliverer is a kind of truth for which a certain price must be paid in order to know it, and thus inherit it as our belonging or our property. The fall of many people who have accepted their salvation as a deposit is that they refuse to pay a price to know the truth. Instead, they rejoice in this truth in the format of slogans all while rejecting the specific conditions needing to be met in order to acknowledge the truth. And so the first component of the portion of our inheritance in the name of God, Deliverer, is comprised of the fact that every person who has accepted the deposit of salvation but has not paid the price to obtain the salvation as a property will lose his right to his portion in the name of God, Deliverer, and his name will forever be blotted out of the Book of Life. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who are invited shall taste my supper. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. For many called are few are chosen. Again, that's Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. This is a part of the prophecy of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who shows, or which shows, that all people who are found in cities, a city is known as, as a dwelling that is covered by a wall. This is the image or the symbol of denominations. Denominations specifically that cover themselves when they say, or, or when they try to shield themselves, they say, we're Catholics, we're Pentecostals, we're Methodists, and so forth. They build, they build a wall around themselves. They are found in this city. And this was directed towards them. And they said, I'm married. I basically made a church. I can't. I have to be involved in my church. To go into the supper of the kingdom of heaven means to go there where God makes or God uh, conducts this feast. This feast occurs on earth, not somewhere in heaven. This occurs here on earth. And the kingdom of heaven is that church or that assembly of saints 
in which there is preached the commanding teaching of Jesus Christ. There is where the supper will be. And obviously not all will come. And that's why he says to them, go to the highways, go to, go to the cities, go to the hedges. So these people are in the church, but they ask uncomfortable questions. You are preaching this, but it's written this. Or they ask another question that this kind of pastor has no answer to. And he just shows this person that his question is not, not legitimate and he just needs to humble himself and to listen to what he hears and just to follow it and not to ask any useless questions. That's how a lot of churches are because these pastors don't know how to answer their questions and... and um, they can't help them. They use these congregants for their own selfish reasons and for their own, uh, for their own fame. This is their desire for fame. And these people who are beyond these, who are in the cities, who are found in these churches, there are people who exist that are not tied to these people. They listen to them, but they understand that something is not right. In Scripture, this is not written. Why are we preached this? Why are we told this? Why do they force us to jump like monkeys? If you don't jump, and they might even excommunicate you or, or place you on warning. And they're told, if, you're, if you don't jump like, uh, like a monkey, you're not a spiritual person. Very interesting. You see like how even politics are, are brought into the church and how the church behaves, thus will the political structures behave. Well, the state of the the state of Christianity in America, thus America will be. Imagine how in many churches there begins this liberal theology. Then this is how America will be. It will also begin to require freedom, so-called freedom. Each person is so-called free. Well, forgive me, but each person has his own liberty. And they say, we must respect the liberty of, of every person, not understanding that Freedom or liberty is given to us as a decision, as a choice. We are free only to decide whether we're slaves of righteousness or whether we are slaves of sin. This is what we are free to do. We're free to choose. We are given the right to choose life or death. But understand, people, finally, that, that liberty that you are dreaming about, the liberty of of the word, the liberty of, of, uh, of, uh, of gender equality, the liberty of speech also must be limited. If there are, un if there are facts that are not true, or if there are, is there information that are not facts that are not true, if there is distorted information published, then obviously this is this is wrong and these people should be placed into into jail. And these kind of medias should be completely destroyed. This is the kind of liberty that should exist so that people remain in that form that God created them. If you give a person liberty, with this same liberty, this person will destroy himself and those he surrounds. And we see how quickly this happens in our eyes. Literally in our eyes, we see it happen. In my life, there is, in my life, this has not happened yet. There is such charismatics that exist that act the way they do. This has only really occurred only in the past years or so. And they're looking, and as a communist, 
say, we are going to build our own, who is not of us, is not, is not a person at all. The same way, all of these liberal and false charismatic religious people and this democracy in the world, what do they do? They destroy biblical valuables, thinking that they are going to build something else upon it. What are you going to build if you don't have a lineage, when you, if you, when you don't have children? When a child from a young age, you tell him to choose his own gender. Remember, the, very, the most the scariest thing, when you go along the streets of Portland, take a look at how many rainbow flags hang on churches. This means that this church supports the institute of so-called uh, marriage equality, gender equality. Take a look at what war has occurred in America between Democrats and Republicans. Trump has challenged, but is he going to withstand it, all the pressure that he's under? Because the youth, what they're doing is they're grasping onto all these liberal thoughts, and these lesbians and these homosexuals walk around in the city, these younger, this younger generation. At first they were looked at with disgust, but now people have gotten used to it, and they act toward them normally. But liberals, they want to destroy everything totally and place their own laws. The laws only work upon this minority of people. They're protected. Satan has placed in their minds to destroy the biblical foundation that is that has founded the country. And that's why I think that Europe will become Europe will become, become the place where uh, the Antichrist will rise from. Because, and I, and I think there will be very few churches, and they will be around, scattered around America. Um, perhaps they might seem unnoticeable, but they're not going to be impossible to not notice. People will just uh, ignore them so that they can live easier, but these churches will exist. You know, there's many churches in Portland who act as if we don't exist. In their catalogs, um, like in Russian magazines where there are catalogs of the different Portland churches, we're not there. And we don't even contend to be in their lists. If I was even brought into there, I would take myself out of there and I would say, based on, on what foundation did you place me along with, with this? I won't even sit in a bathroom around with you. Also, side note, in Sweden, there have now become uh, common bathrooms for men and women without stalls. They said people shouldn't be, shouldn't be ashamed of any of this, and so they took off most stalls. And now there is no male bathrooms and there is no female bathrooms. There are common bathrooms for everybody with no stalls. This is what civilization has come to in this Europe. And if parents uh, parents refuse to allow their kids to go to school and go through a class that teaches about general uh, neutrality and homosexuality, these parents are punished by the government. And where did it come from? Where did it come from? 
People have their own will. God wants to give them the kingdom of heaven. And they say, I'm sorry, I brought oxen. I was married. I'm, I'm busy. I have my own evangelism. I have my own fields upon which I work. And I don't want to come to the supper. And then God then gathers Others, they're they're gathered. They don't have a place in these in these cities. But in fact, these are God's chosen remnants that He does gather for His supper. These chosen remnants who had sought God, and finally God gives them the vision where this supper is happening, where it's occurring, because they know they hear this truth, and whoever wants to know this truth, He will come. He will come to hear it. The second component of the portion of our inheritance in the name of God, Deliverer, is comprised of the fact that for our, for our entrance into the portion contained in the name of God, Deliverer, it is necessary to accept the angel who will prepare the way for the Deliverer. Deliverer meaning Jesus Christ. Behold, I send my messenger, and, or send my angel, and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, even the angel of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner in the purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. According to this and other places of Scripture, the portion of our inheritance contained in the name of God, Deliverer, expresses itself in the angel of the covenant who is called to prepare the way for the acceptance of the Deliverer. If the Deliverer, accepted by us in the format of a deposit, does not transfer into our property through the way prepared by the angel of the covenant, God will not have the basis to be our Deliverer. The angel of the covenant called to prepare the way in our body for the acceptance of the deliverer from captivity of sin and death is a person clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God in the spirit and power of Elijah. Under the spirit and power of Elijah, we are referring to the promise of the adoption of our body accepted by us in the face of the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life, opening the path to the truth of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. The movement of the Holy Spirit in the spirit and power of Elijah will discover itself in total sanctification, which is necessary for the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, or the redemption of our body from decay and death by way of casting out the old man from our body. This is a different kind of sanctification that people don't want to accept. Encounters they want to accept. This is what their sanctification looks like. They fast for this prostitute, this alcoholic, this drug addict, fast for three days, and after three days, he brings other people to be sanctified, and he raise, lifts his hands upon these persons, prays over them. And he says, God has called me to this. God has delivered me. This is such a total, total, total corruption and they hear that we challenge their, their, their form of sanctification and we demonstrate the correct form of sanctification that lasts not three days but during our whole life while we remain in our terrestrial body and it will continue until this terrestrial body will be transformed into a celestial body. The third component of the portion of our inheritance in the name of God, Deliverer, 
In the prophet Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is comprised of our partaking to the lineage of David. He said, you have created us from the house of David. Under the house of David, we are referring to the origin of the captain of our salvation in the face of the bride of the Lamb, clothed in the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. To test yourselves for our partaking to the house of David should be done by the firmness of our spirit, reborn from God, leading wars with reigning sin in our body in the face of the old man, who is the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim, which was passed down to us through the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you through your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. First Samuel chapter 25, verses 28-30. 29. These are the prophetic words of Abigail, who had acknowledged David as anointed by God, as the father of Israel. And because her husband did not acknowledge him, God had, after 10 days, God had, um, God had killed him and David had then married Abigail she became his wife to summarize this it follows that our inherited portion in the name of God deliverer discovers itself in the heart of a person who has a partaking to God's chosen remnant has accepted the angel who prepares the way for the deliverer and has a partaking to the lineage of the house of David the second portion of the name of God, Deliverer, for the chosen remnants of God, discovers itself in the word that comes from the mouth of God. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Psalms chapter 130, verses 5 through 8. If you've paid close attention that in this promise, which we are called to inherit in the name of God, Deliverer, we are referring to deliverance from our iniquities through the hope of our soul in God and our trust in the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Psalms 107, verses 17 through 20. All that God does, He does through His Word. Through His Word, 
that is offered not as fruit but as a seed, as a seed that a person accepts. And in order to inherit this word and the contents of the promises contained in this word, it must be grown into a fruit and then it will become our belonging, it will become our property. But unfortunately, very few people are able to accept it because the heart of a cardinal person is not cleansed from dead works. The heart of an infant in Christ an infant is not cleansed from dead works. He doesn't have a person who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God, whom he would view as so. He is swayed by all kinds of winds of teachings according to the cunningness of men. He follows he follows all of these people who portray themselves as apostles, evangelists, without being so. These are false apostles. Paul's prophets. And yet again, we are met with the selective love of God in this place of Scripture in which only Israel and the face of God's chosen remnants will inherit deliverance from their iniquities. Not all, all of Israel, but the chosen remnants of Israel, because not every person who calls himself an Israelite is so. According to Scripture, Israel is presented in carriers of the promises of God who are warriors of prayer. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as a seed. So those who accept the promise, they are the children of Abraham. But those who consider that they are children according to the flesh and they don't accept the seed of the promise they are not called Israelites before God because to be an Israel means to be a warrior of prayer the reason for the sufferings of Israel because of their iniquities in this case is their recklessness expressed in their ability to think about heavenly things or rather have God in their minds in the subject of who God is for them what God has done for them and who they are to God this is a state, as I have said, of infancy that is incapable of holding on to the target of its hope, which is God and not spiritual manifestations of material prosperity, but rather trust in the unchanging word of God over which God is vigilant so that it is fulfilled in the time appointed by him. To give God the basis to deliver us from our iniquities, it is necessary to transfer our expectation from material prosperity to expecting the Lord so that we can wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. The phrase, my soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, tells us that David waits for the Lord more than the time for the resurrection from the dead. He waits for God more than what he waits from resurrection from death because the watchman of the morning points to resurrection. Morning is an image of resurrection. He says, I wait for the Lord more. He wants to find the Lord before resurrection occurs because when a resurrection occurs, if you have not found the Lord yet, then you're not going to endure. You're not going to be a part of resurrection. And this is the whole essence of it. And David, understanding these things, he focused on God himself and he waited for God himself more than he waited for resurrection. Because for him, communication with God and knowledge of God was greater than resurrection from the death. This is what Asaph says, one of the three leaders of the choir of David who was created by God. 
Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. Psalm 73, verses 23 through 25. So here he says, If in heaven there is no God, I don't want this kind of heaven. If you are with me on earth and you will allow me to find, find you, I don't want any, and you're not there, I don't want you on earth. If you, if I have you, I need nothing else. This is how Apostle Paul expresses the idea that God is above all more precious than anything. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. And so, if and these, if these biblical characters did not change their way of thinking and they did not have hope in God and trust in His Word, then God would not have had legal basis to become their deliverer from their lawlessness or their iniquities in which they were born from the vain seed of their fathers. And so the portion of the name of God deliverer expresses itself or its powers in the heart of a person when this person begins to think about what is heavenly and his hope becomes not an anointing nor the gift of the Holy Spirit nor the blessings of God but it becomes God himself. And then man's trust becomes not his flesh nor his capable uh, rational capabilities, but the word of God and specific and precious promises engraved in his heart. With regard to this, I will remind you that hope is the foundation for the building of our body into a spiritual dwelling and holy place. Hope is always tied to waiting for the future. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. When we wait for the future, sealed in our heart and placed on our account in Christ Jesus in the format of hope in the Lord, we lay a foundation for trust in His Word. And when we trust in the promised word and call the inexistent hope in the dimension of time as existence in the dimension of eternity, we give God the legal right in the time established by him to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ. For I consider, writes Apostle Paul, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The word creation uh, means creation, the highest calling. This is what is in the original. Uh, creation means uh, angelic hierarchies that serve people who are sent by God in order to serve those who are found in um, who are in terrestrial bodies. And they wait for the re revelations of the sons of God 
For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth, birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first, fruit, first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. When we wait, are we hope for that which we hear, who we are going to be, who God is for us, what he has done for us, and what promises that he has given us, we accept them, but we don't see them, we don't feel them. But we accept them, and we begin to proclaim them. We begin to meditate upon them. And then we can wait in patience. To summarize, it follows that our inherited portion in the name of God Deliverer discovers itself with the heart of a person that hopes in the Lord and whose trust is in the promised word of God sealed in his heart. Trust is a building material out of which we build upon the foundation of hope, a spiritual dwelling and a holy place. If a person has hope, but he has not built a building out of trust, he will not lose salvation. He will, he will be saved because his foundation was Christ. It was hope. He had hope. And it's very sorrowful when there is hope. It's very sad. You have this foundation. Why not then just build, build upon this foundation through trust? The third, third point. The portion of the name of God deliverer for the chosen remnants of God discovers itself in a covenant with God. He has given food to those who fear him. He will never be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Psalms 111 verses 5 through 9. So the power of the works of God shown to his people is comprised in truth and justice, which contains all the faithful commandments of God that stand fast forever and ever since they are founded and uh, they stand ever since they are founded on truth and uprightness that are contained and ratified in a covenant of God with his chosen remnants. According to these words, our inherited portion in all of the names of God are contained in a covenant with God. So in a covenant of God with a person who has an organized partaking to those who fear God, who are the chosen remnants of God. And so when God gives food to those who fear him, he gives this food according to the covenant this person has made with him which points to the fact that our inherited portion in the name of God, Deliverer, belongs to the people of the covenant. A covenant with God is not just a religious ritual made in baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, but is first and foremost the amount of sacred information containing the mutual obligations of God with man and man with God, which must be sealed in the heart of a person before he enters into a covenant with God.
before he enters into a covenant with God. A covenant with God on the body of a person is a seal of God that points to the fact that this person is the hallowed property of God. And this seal was a circumcision among the people of Israel. It was a circumcision of the foreskin of the flesh, which figuratively represented the seal of righteousness in the lips of a person who proclaims the faith of his heart in justification that he received through faith in Jesus Christ. So circumcision of the foreskin, it was a, a symbol of proclaiming the faith of God with their lips. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If the children of God were aware of the significance of a covenant with God, which is called to be the seal of God on their foreheads and on their right hand, then those in power, having seized the reins of government among the people of God, would not have spread the horror stories about the mark of the beast supposedly presented in electronic chips. Like the seal of God in the foreheads of those who fear God, who know the contents of a covenant with God, and the mark of the beast in the foreheads of those deceived by spiritual leaders is applied only when there is a ready-made legal document of the way of thinking, which must be sealed with a seal corresponding to to this document. And so what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but as debt. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Furthermore, he says, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He answers, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. He was already a prepared document. He was already righteous. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith. You see here that a seal of the covenant is already put upon the prepared document of righteousness. He might be the father, so that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also who walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to seed to the law, but to the righteousness of faith. When God makes a covenant with a person, and this person must already have righteousness in Christ Jesus. God will not make a covenant or will not seal a person with the seal of righteousness if he has not accepted justification through his faith in Christ Jesus. If a person meditates on what is earthly, his forehead is a legal document prepared for the mark of the beast. But if a person meditates on things that are heavenly, his forehead is a legal document prepared for the seal of God or the seal of righteousness. The right hand is a legal activity of a person who professes the way of life, which is his way of thinking. 
We know it's written, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, a covenant of God made with a righteous person is the seal of God on the foreheads of those who grieve for all the abominations committed in Jerusalem at the head of spiritual leaders elected either by the democratic majority or by self-promotion based on some revelations known only to those who are self-promoted. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north. The number six means uh, the number of man. This means that the spirit will do or will place the seal through man. And each one had a battle axe. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his hide. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. That the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen, who also had the writer's inkhorn at his side. The writer's inkhorn we're talking about, or we're talking about a person who is under the head of Christ. And this linen garment, or this linen clothing, is not on one person, but on all. But here he's presented as the head of these people. Linen garment is an image of death and resurrection. He goes among them clothed in linen, who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. To the others, he said in my hearing, Go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spear, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. This is written in Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church, about people who say that they are Christians, that they are believers. We're talking about Jerusalem. God is beginning to prepare to cleanse his church. And here it is shown how this will happen. It is through them, through the sermon of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, this will happen. The significance of a covenant with God, which serves as a seal on the foreheads of those who fear God, gives God the basis to be deliverer for his nation from the authority of reigning sin in their bodies, over which stands the old man, the carrier of the program of the vain life, inherited by them through the sinful seed of their fathers in the flesh. The danger of using a covenant with our own lips, which is not in our heart, to show the appearance of godliness, the strength of which these people have long renounced for the sake of self-interest in public relations, will be a sentence for condemnation to fiery hell. The Psalm of Asaph, the mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come 
and shall not keep silent, a fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel, and testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds in the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you, when you saw a thief, you consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. To, uh, to see a thief and consent with him means to not condemn him. It just means to agree with him, not condemn him. I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you to pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Praise must be clothed in the format of a sacrifice. And whoever praises honors me, and to him will I show the salvation of God, is how this place of scripture ends. Psalms 50, verses 1 through 23. To summarize, it follows that our inherited portion in the name of God, Deliverer, discovers itself in the heart of a person who has a seal of righteousness in his heart, which yields the covenant of God with man. So we've understood what a covenant is in the heart. It's a seal. It's a seal that God places in the heart of a person upon his forehead and upon his hand. Fourth, the portion of the name of God deliverer for the chosen remnants of God discovers itself in partaking of the Passover lamb. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be, when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 27. According to these words, eating the Passover lamb according to God's established statutes, 
For God was the foundation for showing himself to his nation as a deliverer before eating the Passover lamb, to give God the basis to demonstrate himself in the name Deliverer, it was necessary to cleanse their homes of leaven, which in their homes was an image of sin. From which it follows that in order to give God a foundation to reveal himself in the name Deliverer, it is necessary to be sanctified in such a way as to produce total sanctification for total dedication expressed in the eating of the Passover lamb according to the statutes. Your glorying is not good, writes Apostle Paul. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So it's impossible to cleanse the whole leaven with a three-day encounter. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, Yet not what we have pa been passed passed on to the sinful, lead, sinful life of our fathers, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Look at what sanctification is. Not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Not just the sexually immoral people of this world not with or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world but I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an adulterer or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner not even to eat with such a person for what I have I, what have I to do with judging those who also are those also who are outside. Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Excommunicate these people. Separate yourself from these kind of people. Otherwise, they're going to distort and ruin the church. To summarize, our inherited portion, the name of God, Deliverer, discovers itself in the heart of a person who eats, the pas who eats of the Passover lamb according to the statute. Fifth, the portion in the name of God, Deliverer, for the chosen remnants of God, discovers itself in the arm of God. You have with your arm redeemed your people, delivered your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77, verses 15 through 20. And again, we are met with the fact that the love of God, shown by him in the name Deliverer, through his arm, is aimed at the chosen remnant of God so that they can be delivered out of the hands of Egypt. Not to all, but those whom he leads into the Canaan land. All those who entered the promised land uh, were only those those who cast Egypt out of their hearts uh, while there were others who remembered Egypt they said we ate melons there we ate meat we ate onions now we have nothing we have manna that's it and 
And uh, the parents of children who who were not of Egypt but were born in the wilderness, they thought, interesting, these children don't even know. All they know is the, is the taste of manna that fell from the sky. They had either baked it or they had boiled it and ate it. And for them, this food was enough. It was good. They rejoiced in this food. They gathered it. But those, they gathered because there was nothing else to eat. And they groaned. You know, when people come to church and they don't receive anything for material prosperity for their own fame, they begin to, to groan and moan. Well, what, what have we received for our body here? They say, we lived poorly and we will continue to live poorly. We, just as we were sick, we will continue to be sick. We have nothing. What, you have come to God to stop being sick and to eat well and to dress nicely and to drive expensive cars? It doesn't mean that these things are sin, but our goal must be, when we come to God, our goal must be to find God, to find the kingdom of heaven so that we can transform our bodies. But here we see that these people, although God wanted to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians, and he did, but um, they brought Egypt around with them. I'd like to turn to supporters who profess the tolerant love of God, who supposedly love everyone equally, both Israelis and Egyptians. How did your tolerant God deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians and drown the Egyptians in the great waters of the, of the Black Sea? If he loves them, how did he drown them? Does it not seem to you that something is wrong with your head, with which you rush about like a chicken with an egg not laid, and with your abilities with which you attempt to interpret scripture and that a tolerant God is present only in your foolish head try to understand one undisputable truth if God gave us a head then it is given to us for the organization of stem cells and other systems of our physical body and it is foolish to use it both for interpreting scripture and for comprehending the physical world. For the knowledge of God, the interpretation of Scripture, for the comprehension of the physical and spiritual dimensions, we have been given the heart, the apostles, and the Holy Spirit. Moreover, our heart can perceive the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the interpretations of the apostles if, through instruction and faith, it will be cleansed of dead works and the truth of Christ will be brought into it. God will deliver us by his arm from the threat of the Egyptians living in our body by the hand of Moses and Aaron or an image of Thummim and Urim called to dwell in the heart of his chosen remnant in the face of the sons of Jacob and the sons of Joseph. Moses in our heart is called to represent the truth of the commanding doctrine of Christ in the dignity of Thummim, while Aaron is called to represent the abilities of the Holy Spirit in the dignity of Urim, who reveals the truth of Thummim in our hearts. Moses had a hard time speaking. Everything that God told him, he passed along to Aaron, and then Aaron... Uh, communicated it to the people. And when scripture says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron, then in this case, the arm of God delivering the nation of God from the Egyptians is Moses and Aaron in the dini of Thummim and Urim in our heart. In Hebrew, arm means shoulder, right hand, the power of truth, and the Holy Spirit, 
military power, reliance on God, hope in the word of God, military strength in the confessions of the faith of God, an army consisting of angelic hierarchies. We should understand one indisputable truth, that all deliverance by the arm of God from every enemy is called to happen through the proclamation of the faith of God that resides in our heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Proclamation of the faith of God abiding in our hearts awakens the abyss and the underworld of our body in the face of an old man with his works, behind which are the organized powers of darkness. In order to test ourselves for the presence in our heart of the arm of God and the dignity of the faith of God that resides in our heart, which is called to deliver us from the Egyptian army, in great waters let us turn to the dialogue between God and Job. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like his? To summarize, it follows that our inherited portion, the name of God delivered, discovers itself in our heart in the dignity of Thummim and Nareem when the old man is cast into the underworld. Sixth, the portion of the name of God deliverer for the chosen remnant of God discovers itself in the signs of the sun, moon, and stars, which lead other people to groom and gloom and bewilderment. And there will be a sign in the sun, in the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves warring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say it to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourself. Selves, let your hearts be weighed down with lest your hearts be weighed down with caressing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Considering that the church on earth is a light to the earth and lamp in the house of God, 
Then the signs in the sun, moon, and stars refers to the signs that God will demonstrate at the end of times among those who are called to be a light. It should also be noted that the signs shown in the sun, moon, and stars will be shown in the children of light and the boundaries of holiness and as an expression of the holiness of the deliverer. As written, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house, lest your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is referring to light that comes from the sun, moon, and stars. And to find out the nature of the signs in the sun, moon, and stars, which will be revealed at the end time in those who are called to be the guiding light for the world, we will read Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. For the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. During the end times, the forces of heaven and the representatives of light have been shaken. This is a figurative allegory characterizing the general condition of believers during end times, which will be expressed in their tolerant attitude towards sin. If you imagine that the sun, moon, and stars behave in the literal sense, then the universe will immediately collapse and as such will cease to exist. And then there will be nowhere to hide from someone because the earth from such a fall of celestial bodies will burst forth like powder. But there is no one because all the inhabitants of the earth will be destroyed with the earth. And when the representatives of light and the purpose of the sun called to reveal the holiness of truth clothe themselves so that instead of revealing the exalted properties of light will reveal the characteristics of darkness and the decline of moral decency. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. And when in the purpose of the light of the moon, called to show the strength of spirit and the clarity and sobriety of truth, their moon will become like blood and will demonstrate legalized sin. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Revelation chapter 17, verses 3 through 5. 
The seven heads of the beast is a forgery for the fullness and perfection of the bride of the Lamb, and the ten horns of the beast is a forgery for the holiness of the bride of the Lamb. And when the purpose of the stars, called to show the way to the precious promises kept in heaven, and to be the carriers of these promises, these stars will be moved from their place and fall to the ground, then in the midst of a gathering of saints on earth, there will really be despondency and perplexity. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And so, to summarize, our inherited portion in the name of God, deliverance, discovers itself in our heart when we, amid general despondency and bewilderment, we bow and raise our heads because our deliverance is approaching from an environment that has the appearance of godliness but has denied its power. And in two words, I'll go over point number seven. So the portion of the name of God deliverer for the chosen remnant of God discovers itself in the rod of their lips that are like the lips of God. So our lips are like the lips of God when we proclaim with our lips the faith of God that dwells in our heart. Why is my pain perpetual, my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you shall not. Re you must not return to them. They will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save and deliver you. You see how evangelism looks like. When first, uh, beginning of my ministry, I began to pray, how do, Lord, how do I conduct evangelism? God told me, if your lips are like my lips, they themselves are going to turn to you and not you to them. These people are going to turn to you and not you to them. Uh, the Lord says, I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Amen. Let us bend our knees, and for whom it is impossible, their heads. And we will thank God for that word that we had today about the portion of our inheritance that is contained in the name of God, deliverer. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, along with your people, I bow before your face with my spirit, and I glorify you for your mercy and for your love, demonstrated in your word, upon which we trust in and rejoice in as those who have received a great reward. May your mercy be blessed in your truth and your word for us. May it be sealed and affirmed in our hearts through the proclamation of our lips. Let it grow into the fruit of righteousness so that your promises can be affirmed and we can grow these, this seed into the fruit of the kingdom of heaven in our bodies. We have accepted this promise and we rejoice and we thank you that we already are carriers of 
heavenly bodies, celestial bodies. We thank you that we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God with hope waiting for the revelation of glory in us, in your sons and your daughters. May your blessing be upon your sons and daughters forever and ever. May in their bodies be destroyed the power of death and may the power of life be repaired replaced be, replace it may all sins or may all illnesses in their body be destroyed and may the Lord demonstrate his mercy you have surrounded us with your care and your mercy you have delivered us from the hand of those who despise us and they cannot come near us offend us and we have changed places. Now we are going to to proclaim the written judgment over their lawless heads. And may your mercy be with your people who is called to be your light to burn all lawlessness among your people to cleanse Jerusalem from people who do not have a seal, who do not have your seal upon their foreheads and in their heart, for whom baptism has ceased to be baptism, just like circumcision ceased to be circumcision for Israel at one point. We thank you for this knowledge, for this word, for this joyful revelation that is joy and comfort in our hearts. And we bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.